This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business life. It's easy to forget that that life was difficult when, when we were all 16, but it was a lot simpler when we were younger than it is now. So, uh, you know, wherever possible, maybe give young people the benefit of the doubt. Hello, curious entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode number 349 of Business Live, Sheffield Live's weekly show for you with me, Jamie Veach. And you've just heard the words of our guest this week, Chris Hill, founder, chief executive of Element Society, a charity which helps young people to achieve the unbelievable. How does it do that? Well, listen on to find out about Element's work, about how it has developed in its eight years since being founded in 2013, how it has worked with partners building long-term relationships, including to secure office premises and contracts and much more. We hear also about avoiding mission drift, staying clear, focused and things Chris wishes he'd known earlier. Fascinating interview. I hope you all enjoy it. Before we get there, I'll tell you about a couple of other things in the show. We've got details of Yorkshire's digital and tech explosion. We've got details of some awards you can enter and some awards that have been won. And we have some national acclaim for a former business live guest on the show. Great to hear about that. Much, much more. But that's all after our interview this week with Chris Hill of Element Society. And Chris and I caught up for 25 minutes on Thursday the 7th of October when this was recorded. Ready to go out today, Friday the 8th of October 2021 here on Business Live, FM radio, online and of course on your podcast platform of choice. So let's hear what Chris has to say about avoiding mission drift, about helping and being driven by young people and about lessons he wished he'd known earlier. Here's Chris Hill. We're open for business life. Chris Hill, thanks so much for joining us on the radio show and podcast. Welcome. Can you introduce yourself in your own words and tell us a bit about Element? Of course I can. Uh, so yeah, my name is Chris Hill. I'm the chief executive of Element, which is an independent youth charity in Sheffield. Uh, the charity itself is a, it's a non-profit and we're supporting young people to achieve the unbelievable. Uh, it sounds a bit cheesy. You know, we're not Red Bull. We're not giving them wings. We're not saying they can fly. But what we're helping them do is do things that they didn't think they could do themselves. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about how it applies to this project in a second. Um, yeah. But how we're actually doing that is we're delivering programs, workshops, empowering young people to make a positive change in their lives and their communities, raising their aspirations and helping them become role models to their peers. Um, so you know, we're, we're up to just under 5,000 young people we've worked with um, directly, and I think mm-hmm. it's up to just over 10,000 in our assembly. So, so big numbers of young people now that have, have been through the charity. Big numbers indeed. And that's since 2013, is it, that you opened? Is that right? 2013, yes. It, it feels quite a long time ago now. But yeah, we're not, we're not quite 10, but we're, um, we're, we're nearly ready for big school. So, Chris, first of all, what was the sort of spark that set the flame then for, for launching Element? Why did, you, why did you set up the charity? Uh, so I think in, in some respects, it was a response to many parts of the youth funding going to the private sector. Um, and there was an opportunity to kind of take a business mindset to a charity and try and use kind of business methodology to win contracts, but win them for a non-profit where all the money goes to good causes rather than it being won by you know a nameless, faceless 
conglomerate of, of, of a, a for-profit and then a tiny bit of that money ends up going to good causes. So that was the driver to, to kind of provide a bit of equity from the new types of youth funding that were, that were coming out from the government. Yeah, I see. So it sounds like you're a social enterprise as well in terms of you earn income, you deliver um, projects that support young people, you, but you are constituted as a charity, is that correct? Yeah, we certainly are. Uh, we're a charity, uh, but really recognise that for a new charity, I know we're nearly 10 now, but relatively new, it's, it's a difficult world for charities anyway, particularly for, for a new one. So it's having that enterprise mindset. Um, and I'll just mention this now. For example, we're just about to open a pizza restaurant, pizza place um, in, in wow. the city centre of Sheffield. Where's that, uh, sorry? Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be in, in the city centre, hopefully in Orchard Square. I'm just about to finalise some details. Uh, it's called Make Dough. It's really, it looks a really cool brand, um, but that will be a, it's in a char- charitable endeavour. So from our point of view, it's about giving young people jobs and training them so they can get into the world of work. Uh, but from the public's point of view, it's, it's a, it's a you know, living, breathing enterprise. So uh, any if it does reach a profit-making situation, that will go back into doing good for young people rather than into you know, shareholders' pockets. Right. And how many people actually work at Element itself nowadays? So there's a, about 20 in the main team. So it has grown considerably since we, we first kicked off. Um, and then we have about 20-ish in a, in a kind of a sessional team that, that come in uh, throughout the year, roughly a month's work for, for each of the sessional workers over, over the course of the year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's quite a big team. Uh, and we're also, uh, we, we, uh, we let a lot, a lot of other charities use our space as well. So it's, it's quite a vibrant, busy, busy building now on youth, our youth space. Mm. Okay, grand. And I note from looking at notes about Element Society, that in the twen- in the um, eight, in the eight years since 2013, you talked about the 5,000 young people that you've worked with, um, over 200 projects as well. And those issues that you've tackled include knife crime and child sexual exploitation as well. So you're tackling some big, challenging, sensitive, difficult, and hugely impactful issues. Yeah. I also noted that your volunteer work hours that your programs have contributed 1.7 million pounds in terms of impact to Sheffield and I wondered how do you measure that how do you measure that impact yes yeah, it's, it's, it's using some government formula um, but it's it roughly around the, the value of the work that, the, that, that our volunteers are doing so most of it just because it's young people is classified as roughly the equivalent of minimum wage that's how they kind of do the calculation um, mm. uh, it, yeah, if it was someone more senior they, they, they had a higher value so this is the, the, the government attaching the lowest value per hour. So that's that's over 200,000 hours of volunteering that, that created that level of impact um, you know, measured on the government scale. Yes. And I think the reason why there's so many hours for what's a relatively small organisation um, is because we, we count ourselves as youth-led. So 99.9% of all projects here are projects that young people have asked us to do. Um, and in the small case when they're not, once they've asked us to do it, something in the same vein as that, but uh, they, you know, they don't necessarily know that there's a, ca- a contract that's available to bid for. So we're always trying to do exactly what young people say we need to be working on. And some of that's nice fun, some fun projects, but as you mentioned, there's some hard-hitting stuff in there as well. Um, and part of that youth-led that led idea is young people being at the forefront of what we do, mentioned about them being peer, um, role models to their peers, so as much as possible, we're training young people to deliver projects alongside us, um, 
you know, they speak the language of, of other young people a lot better than you or I. I don't know any of the slang, and uh, you know, I'm sure I don't relate as well as, as someone close to their age. So it's a, it's a really nice process, and it means we've got a constant stream of of um, needs from the young people that they would like us to bid for work to, to to support them with. You mentioned there are all sorts of projects then as well, and perhaps all sorts of things that you might bid for in, in terms of what what the people that you work with are asking you to to deliver and support them with. Um, I I know you moved a few years ago, a couple of years ago, to a city centre location um, with support of a, um, a building society, and yeah. you host perhaps in pre-COVID and post-COVID times. You, it's a it's also a giant youth club and it's a meeting space as well. That's um, that's Yorkshire House. That's Yorkshire House. Yes, yeah. so that's the that's the Yorkshire Building Society. Very kindly have helped us move into this premises. Uh, you know, part of their CSR practice. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's allowed us and many other youth organisations to offer services in the city centre that we wouldn't have been able to do before because of the prohibitive costs. Uh, as you, you know, I'm sure you imagine, many city centre prices are very expensive. This is just over 12,000 square foot of, of youth space, which would come at a real premium, I think, uh, particularly yes. pre-COVID. But uh, yeah, with this, there are well over a thousand people have used this building already, if not if not if not many more, um, and it allows us to do uh, yeah, some real impactful work for the city that, that we would have never been able to do before. So that's a real credit to organisations like Yorkshire Building Society for having that thinking beyond profit and thinking about people as well. Yes, too right. And you said that this is sort of part of their CSR work. How did you and Yorkshire Building Society um, get to know one another? And how did you persuade them? Did you go asking them to do this or did they make the op- offer to you? Uh, so the, the, they didn't know who, I think this was the first time they'd get, uh, handed over a property to a charity specifically. Um, so they used an agent who could uh, bring together numerous charities to, to essentially pitch for what they could do with the building. Um, and initially we pitched for a small part of the building and uh, YBS sent down a uh, uh, guy, Michael, who's actually retired now, but great guy. And he he came and just walked around the building and said, well, if you have this space, what would you do? If you have this space, what would we do? And because the team was so full of ideas of how we can make it work for young people, every room we walked into, they had, the team had off the cuff an idea that was based on what people have asked for already. You know, this could make a great studio. This could make a great recording space, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that just won him over the passion and, uh, of, of that. And I'm sure there's, you know, there's a few other charities pitched in and, and, and went for the building, but, I think we were very fortunate to have that, uh, yeah, the, the passion there in front of, of, of people working directly with young people who could just bring their views straight to the table and and give a good image and vision of what, what could happen here. Yeah, that must have really brought it to life in terms of how the building could be used really well. Great. And Chris, I, I asked you on air not only to talk about Element, but to talk about a specific project that you're working with right now. Sheffield's young people naturally in their element. That, what a nice um, yeah. strap line that is. But you've been working with the National Trust. What are you doing? Yeah, so the, the National Trust is one of our partners. And you know, we, we talk about having relationships rather than partners. So it goes beyond just us asking what they can do for us. It's, it's a give and take relationship and 
we keep in touch if, if we're not doing work together. So uh, we, we're trying to evolve beyond a, kind of a traditional thoughts of let's just have a partner and you know, we agree to stick their logo here and they do this for us. We actually want to meet the people there and it'd be a real relationship. So that, that's really worked incredibly well through with the National Trust. We kept in touch during the pandemic, checking up on each other, that sort of stuff. So it's really great to see see the, uh, the, the people behind the, 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 the trust. And it's, yeah, it's not just that logo you see all over the country. There are real people doing great things there. Um, and then we've worked many times with Talbot School. Uh, and one thing that I've always been passionate about is, uh, and the charity itself, is I guess it's a bit of a quality equity style thing, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, young people who go to the special needs schools, the pupils there don't always get the same opportunities as those who, who, who go to a mainstream school. Uh, so for many years, we've kind of run this program called Learn Through Nature, which was funded by the Postcode People's Lottery. Um, and uh, they were very kind to do it for us. They realized we couldn't run the program during lockdown, so they kindly let us use the money to help keep the charity afloat during lockdown. But then we've come back from lockdown. We thought we don't want to let this opportunity slip. So we, we, we agreed, to, agreed to fund a one-off trip to start out our own coffers and, and, and go back to Talbot School and, and speak to the National Trust and say, look, let's try and do one of these learning through nature programs again. Uh, and it's doing stuff like take, I mean, the, the theory behind this is that research is showing that, that learning through nature has loads of long-term benefits for children, loads of impacts, yes. confidence, improves creativity, problem-solving, cognitive skills, academic performance. It can even work on attention deficit disorder symptoms. Uh, it's some physical activity, reduces stress. You know, there's so many, so many things there, but particularly for a group of young people who don't have the confidence normally to do this sort of thing by themselves. Our, our idea behind learning through nature is we do kind of soft steps. So they, they build enough confidence to say to their parents, Oh, I would like, you know, let's go to Graves Park. And, and they already are confident in that, air, in that environment. So normally we would do a kind of a short step. So we'd go to Graves Park, definitely go to the petting zoo. You know, can't, can't miss out the guinea pigs and, and, uh, and the pigs up there. Cool. <laughs> can't, can't miss those guys out. Uh, yeah, then we'd go to somewhere like um, Ecclesall Woods, so a little bit further away from home. And then we might go all the way up to, say, Yorkshire Sculpture Park. Uh, but now with the National Trust as a partner, we, we've got incredible resources you know, right on our doorstep. Uh, and so, we, yeah, we went out to the National Trust to their Longshore Estate and they were kind enough to provide a, re- um, a ranger uh, when we went to do the initial recce, but then for the actual day, they provided an educational manager and she, you know, she was absolutely wonderful. Um, and the kids, you know, absolutely loved it. They kept in uh, uh, identification of, 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 I think they call them mini beasts. Uh, I think they called them creepy craw- crawlies when I was little. Um, <laughs> But yeah, well, yeah they, uh, and, you know, and then ended up doing some art and making making stuff that would be left in the forest out of clay. Um, and there, it was a, a real example of how three organisations with completely different skill sets can come together and make something really meaningful happen. And you know, it's, as I say, it's a passion of mine. I, I'm, I'm so pleased it's back up and running, and we're we're hoping to keep that uh, yeah keep that going. And we're already speaking to the other the special schools now at the moment, saying how can we do this for you? How can we make it work for your young people? Right, lovely. Um, so working with Talbot Specialist School, as you talked about, but you could also extend this. You could work with other schools as well. You'd like to do that? Yeah, in, in the past, pre-pandemic, and we we were all geared up to do this during the pandemic, but obviously we, you know, we don't want to talk about that too much. Um, but pre-pandemic, we worked with uh, Elizabeth with Seven Hills, Bent's Green, the Inclusion Department at, at Sheffield College, which covers their special needs facility. Um, and so on. So we worked with quite a lot of them to, to provide 
these trips we mentioned before, but the added value of now doing it with the National Trust is is really powerful. Um, yeah, they can add something pretty special uh, to, to this programme. So it's really cool to see that happening. Great. Good for you. Good for them. Good for schools that you work with and more schools again, hopefully in future by the sounds of it. You founded um, and are, as we've said earlier, CEO of Element. Eight years through difficult times, COVID, but also a tough funding environment for charities. Probably lots of other challenges on the way. Have you coped with the ups and downs of running an organisation like Element? What's been the most difficult thing? I think, I suppose maybe it's easier for me to start with what's the easiest thing. And I think what makes it, it's very difficult at times you know, with the charities, the, you know, for the finance for charity. You know, I'm sure many other charities are in the same boat as us. When, when COVID first hit in the first couple of months, thinking, do we have enough reserves to ride this out? And you know, luckily support schemes did come out for charities that made it manageable. Um but obviously that was very stressful for everyone involved. But, but we have such a strong team here who really believe in what they do. I think that's, that's what makes it easier. That everyone believes in what they do. So they're willing to go that extra mile and, and think, right, this isn't just for my job. This isn't just for the charity. This is for young people. So I think being surrounded by people who are so positive and, and, and full of ideas to do good makes it a lot easier. I think the difficulty is, is that it's hard to plan too far in the future when there's so much uncertainty over funding youth funding and um, i'm sure many charities in the same boat not just not just youth funding but there's lots of uncertainty about what's coming up um there's you know, promises from various parts of the the, the people above us in, in government for, for more funding but uh, you know people are yet to see this this money trickle down so that's the always the the difficulty and i think if I think that's why we, 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 you know, we're trying to run with a business mentality behind the scenes of, of you know, trading, tr- trading, winning contracts and um, potentially, hopefully selling pizza. Uh, yeah. That we, we're trying to bring income in that's unrestricted that we can do. Yeah, but for example, this trip we just talked about, we can say, right, it's going to cost X amount of money. Let's just spend that and do a great job for these young people and not run around chasing money for it. So that that is is the difficulty becomes a is is funding, but then that becomes a challenge of how can we survive in this in this different world, this different environment. Yeah, quite. And you mentioned the phrase unrestricted income there as well. Sort of a holy grail for lots of charities and lots of social enterprises too, where sometimes funders make you jump through so many hoops. There is a danger that you dilute your values, your mission as well, simply to get funding and then do stuff that you wouldn't actually do. I mean, plenty of people have spoken about that danger on this program. And whereas if you can secure, if you can secure contracts to deliver because you're excellent at it, um, or if you can secure unrestricted income, then you have a lot more freedom. Have you ever found yourself in danger of mission drift simply to get money that you need to survive? Well, so, so, certainly is when I so I only took over as CEO in January 2016. So the organisation had been functioning for a couple of years before that. Um, mm. And my main role before was ensuring projects were delivered because I, I was working elsewhere and doing this working for element on a voluntary basis um but one of the first things i did when i came when when i decided uh, came to agreement with the board to take on this role was really cut 
the drift from the mission because we because of maybe because of success but there was a uh, a feeling of oh we can do this work here we can do this work there here there and everywhere uh and and the region we were doing it in was getting bigger and bigger um and you know, i'm not saying it was just for the money but it didn't feel like we were living the values of the charity and uh, mm. so we condensed the area to the sheffield city region um and went right back to the basics reviewed what we do as an organization and showed we had a real good theory behind what we do and you know we have i'm sure you've heard of a theory of change but we we, we use that as a we use this it's almost like a roadmap of what what we do how we do it and why we do it uh so we we have that roadmap uh to 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 guide all decisions on bidding for work including contracts um but also the youth voices is an integral part of of, of our charity and a trustee actually came up with the phrase of the day saying young people are the heartbeat of everything we do at element i think that's a really good way of looking at it that if 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 young people don't tell us to do something or, or say or say that they they need help with something we aren't going to do it anymore so it's, so it's mission drift is is very hard to happen now but it was certainly tempting during lockdown there was a few contracts around yeah. that were just outside of our normal remit that we were very close to bidding for and then we said no we're chasing the money it's it's not what we're doing it's not what we should be doing so i can certainly see that during these difficult times mission drift is is, is very tempting um yeah. we are you know we, we're we are resisting it at the moment uh, hopefully we can resist it forever it depends how well the money is in, is, is going in the future Quite indeed. So you've taken a thoughtful and considered approach to sticking to the knitting, as it were, or to ensuring that you have that kind of laser focus on uh, on the mission and avoid mission drift. But as you say, it, it could well have been tempting during lockdown and it, perhaps it had been um, problematic before, but you've, you've focused and I like what you said about, as, as well about the, the heartbeat. I mean, what's the point of doing st- things if the people that you exist to serve, to support, to work with, to enable, and so on too, um, don't want you to do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you mentioned taking over as CEO and having previously worked in a voluntary capacity, but am I right in thinking you, you are, you, you're one of the sort of people behind founding element in the yes, first place? Yes, I found it at the start when I had a, I was working with someone else in a different business and, and yeah, that we, we set it up and then employed people to run yeah. the charity. Uh, but yeah, I think the trustees had reached a point where they thought it needed more uh, expertise than the kind of level of people we'd hired in perhaps in the past. So, so in your journey then, what, um, what do you know now, which you wish you might have known earlier on, say, when you took over as CEO in 2016? And I'm thinking in terms of your own personal resilience, your personal skills, how you do things, how you lead. Is there anything um, that you might think, oh, well, I've learned that the hard way and I can pass some lessons on? Um, learned it the hard way. <laughs> I know we just talked about the, the mission drift. I think that that's important is, is is remain true to your values, and um, I think that that probably applies to kind of partners and everything. So, so I think what what I would say is is particularly if I was talking to myself is it ensure anyone you partner with is in it for the in it in it for the same reason has the same values as yourself. And but what I've actually found is a for profit might be more in 
invested in something for the right reasons than a, than a non-profit. Just because someone's a charity doesn't mean that they have the same value set as you. I think that was probably a bit of a mistake made in, in the early days is assuming anyone in the charity sector or managing a charitable organisation is in it solely for the good of the beneficiaries. But now I understand there's many other, other challenges, particularly financial income, et cetera. But yeah, if you're looking yeah. for partners and, 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 and as I mentioned before, building relationships with them, build those relationships, start with something small and find out, do we have, do we really have the same values when it comes to delivering the work or, or is it just, is it just on paper? And if you've got the same values, it's so much easier to deliver a joint project. <laughs> it's so much easier because it, you, you know that you've ultimately come to the same decisions about, say, helping a certain young person because you both want to do it for the right reason. Mm. Makes absolute sense. The type of organisation that you are in terms of legal structure and whether you're a charity, a for-profit, a social enterprise, a traditional business or whatever, it doesn't necessarily automatically mean that uh, you will have specific values just from being a specific type of organisation. Um, and you talked earlier about, I mean, you just said partners, but you've talked earlier about really, you know, you're looking for relationships. So that that um, search for long term relationships with other yes. organizations where you are aligned in values seems to make sense there and fits fits everything you, you just said. Well, Chris, fascinating. Um, we have lots of people running purpose driven businesses, running social enterprises and running charities who listen to this show so if you were to ask them to uh, do anything that they might wish to do to support element and to support the people with whom you work what would you like them to do i'll just quickly say thank you to debbie webster at national trust and to joanne howe at talbot school for, for really demonstrating the partnership work and it can be effective in, in doing great stuff for young people um, so I suppose when we're, when we're looking for these partners, it, ultimately, yeah, we're looking for people who can add more to, to, to the value of, of young people. So at the moment, we've got two new uh, programmes which are about helping young people who are out of work into work. So there's one for under 24s and one for under 18s. Um, so you know, perhaps if people were interested in providing placements or they had small amounts of training or something like that, we, we, we all know that COVID's made it difficult for lots of people's employment but but those who were already kind of far away from the labor market it's 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 a real distance now so um it might even be that that someone was interested in mentoring a young person as well so yeah there's a couple of of, of employment programs at the moment that we'd love businesses to get in touch with us um and you can just do to call us on our number 0114-299-210 or email hello at elementsociety.co.uk and that, that, yeah, if you're interested in working with us anyway, particularly around employment, placements, jobs, etc., uh, we, we'd love to hear from you so we can connect you with our, our employment programmes. How long would a placement need to be if an employer wants to offer, an, offer a placement? Uh, so we've not, yeah, we're not doing a set time or anything. I, th- I think there's the, the different people at different levels. So it could be yeah. coming in for a day, it could be a couple of weeks. We, we're, 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 been very much this both these projects are very focused on the individual so rather than rather than it kind of being a mass program where everyone's churned through the same same system same training etc we're assessing you know, working with each person individually as they arrive and trying to figure out where they're at and what support they need to, to, to be able to to work it and get a job or, or, or progress to training as well so we're looking for training opportunities as well brilliant well plenty there that listeners can do to support you to support young people chris 
I think we can deduce the email, uh, the website address, sorry, because you've given out an email address, but I'm just going to let you give out the full proper website address, if you like. Yeah, so our website is, is elementsociety.co.uk. Um, Grand. Excellent. <laughs> well, Chris, lovely speaking with you. Really interesting you. to hear about everything element. Is there anything else that we should, um, um, we should know? Uh, the only thing I would say is that young people get a real bad press um, and they're an easy target for the media, but the majority, 99% of young people out there are, are wanting to do good and get on with the world just as just as we were when we were their age. Um, and I think it's easy to forget that, that life was difficult when, when we were all 16, but it was a lot simpler when we were younger than it is now. So uh, you know, wherever possible, maybe give young people the benefit of the doubt and reach out a helping hand rather than, than uh, yes, see them as a problem for society. Absolutely. Chris Hill, CEO, Element Society. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Jamie. We're open for Business Live. This is Business Live on Sheffield Live FM Radio Online and, of course, your podcast platform of choice. You've just been hearing our interview with Chris Hill of Element Society. If you've just tuned in on the radio, of course, you can catch up on the podcast. Now, what else is going on? Well, Create Sheffield got in touch because their programme, Why Creativity Matters Now, has started. It's a series of 13 online workshops, free, open now for people working in Sheffield schools, arts, cultural organisations. 4th till the 22nd of October, the programme brings together educators, artists and cultural professionals to consider how arts and cultural experiences can support a road to recovery in school settings following the pandemic. So, plenty of events intending to introduce, inspire and connect up Sheffield's education colleagues which create Sheffield's 57 arts and cultural partners to learn, to connect, to inform, create Sheffield itself, and much, much more. So details of of the sessions which are free of charge and bookable on the Create Sheffield website. Take a look at createsheffield.co.uk for full information. We're open for Business Live. Now, guess who's got the fastest growing digital industry in the whole of the UK? Well, It's Yorkshire, with the region set to create 42,000 digital tech jobs over the next four years, according to a new government report. The report was released at the Leeds Digital Festival, and it showed that Yorkshire's digital industry is the fastest growing whole of the UK. IT vacancies have increased 36% in the region, according to the report, and salaries are also rising as well. Yorkshire's attracted some large digital sector employers and it's doing really well with the region also home to a combined 1,200 plus startups and scale-ups, transforming health, transportation, fashion and other industries too. The research was compiled by Adzuna, the job search engine and deal room for the UK's Digital Economy Council and Tech Nation. We're open for Business Live. Some great news for a former guest on the show, Yasin El-Ashrafi, founder and chief executive of the community interest company HQ Community Art Network, HQ Can in Leicester. It's a music social enterprise. 
He's been named joint national winner yesterday in O2's Everyday Heroes Awards. He's been recognised for his work supporting young musicians and creatives in his community during the past year. Yassin was selected by a panel of judges from O2 in partnership with the designer and entrepreneur Kelly Hoppen CBE. And Yassin was named national winner alongside Emma Rigby. She runs Love Your Doorstep. Now, Yassin was on the show uh, some time ago. Really interesting story. Well worth checking out the podcast episode of that. He's been mentoring people to help them build a a, uh, a career in music. He's been offering internships to people who lost their jobs. And he's adapted his services during COVID as well to make them more accessible. He created portable studios, which he took to isolating high-risk rural members of his community as well. We're open for Business Live. Quick details of a couple of awards. First of all, the Sheffield Business Awards are back for 2021. These are organised by Unlimited and by the Sheffield Chamber of Commerce. And applications are open, but they close on the 1st of November 2021. A whole load of categories, Employer of the Year, Startup Business of the Year, Innovator, Large Business, Above and Beyonder, Automator, Planet Saver, SME of the Year, other categories too, including Social Impact Award for the best not-for-profit or charity or social enterprise. Plenty of other categories too. Go to Sheffield Business Awards org.uk if you want to enter those. And on the subject of awards, the winners of the Star Small Business Awards 2021 were announced on the 29th of September. whole load of winners for a um, whole range of categories. Social Responsibility, Sheffield Sustainable Kitchens, they've been guests on the show, of course, in the past, and many other categories too. And again, congratulations to them all. You can check out the details on the sheffieldsmallbusiness.co.uk website for the details of those winners. And um, as I said earlier, you've still got the opportunity to enter Sheffield Business Awards at sheffieldbusinessawards.org.uk. Okay, before we go, um, a couple of things in terms of upcoming events. Don't forget, Business Sheffield and the Business and IP Centre Sheffield both always have lots and lots of events coming up. Um, So well worth taking a look at the details that they have. And then we have from the Uh, Sheffield Women in Tech, their next meetup will take place on Tuesday the 19th of October, 5.30pm. This time the event will focus on money, specifically on negotiating your pay uh, with three different perspectives, the recruiter, the employer and the personal coach. Details are on Eventbrite. Um, If you go to Eventbrite and then look up Sheffield Women in Tech, you should be able to find the event. But uh, once again... I will tweet the link out to that and I'll put the link in the show notes as well. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to you for listening, of course. Thank you so much. Thanks also, Chris Hill, founder and chief executive of Element Society. Great to hear about their work with young people, driven by young people. Also great to get Chris's perspective on things like mission drift, 
how to avoid it, overcoming the challenges that you have as a leader and founder, securing investments, well, securing partnerships and so on. Much, much more in the interview. Really interesting. That's it for this week. We'll be back on air next Friday, so tune in then. Next up on the radio, if you're listening on FM radio, is Sheffield Lyre's fantastic folk music programme. Thank goodness it's folk from 10 all the way through to noon. Thanks for listening. Sheffield Live. Made in Sheffield. Made by you. We're open for business live.